0: Is that not that you? You are really punctual. No, I'm oh, yeah. really I describe punctual. myself. Yeah. I describe myself as often early, always on time, seldom late. Because you, know, you have those you have those Venn diagrams that they kind of overlap. That's how I kind yeah. of. So yeah. I feel I might be the same, but sometimes um, junkets run. I had to log into the jungle. I got a
1: nine-minute um, chat with um, with Hayden, and it was really lovely have a, just a proper little chin wag that must sound like long to you but
0: you didn't do an hour it's so funny it's so funny that you would say that now before we before we go any further i guess we yeah. you do need you do need to flex a little bit yeah because i i am i am either he opened for me or i'm closing for him i can't think which way it goes <laughs> <laughs> well
1: that's entirely up to you isn't
0: it yeah but you've just spoken to
1: uh, Hayden Christensen, a.k.a. Anakin, a.k.a. Darth, the man, Wow. the myth, yeah, the
0: legend. Um, last time you and I talked, and it's funny because mm-hmm. you're talking, I just want to talk to you about this today, I guess, and I guess we just rip into it, is yeah. um, the, the length of time you're on. So what we do in, a, in this product is more like just talking about life, the universe and everything. And the other product that I make that you've been on, we give, you know, fifteen minutes or however long someone wants to actually chat about what they want to chat about. And I remember seeing you talking on I think it was uh whichever is the ten thirty PM show. Is that news night? New yeah, on News that, Hub? Uh
1: news hub likes,
0: yeah. News Hub late. And I and I had I saw it on YouTube and I counted it because there was a counter and it was like a minute thirteen you had to cover off something in the Oscars. And that's not a criticism. That's just that's the that's the model they use. And uh, what did I see? And, and and for the other product that I make as well, where we do news, like I yeah. was watching Susie Wiles on Seven Sharp the other night, and they were talking about a really important thing, and they did it in two and a half minutes. And I'm just like, yeah. how do you do How is that even possible? So when you say it's really, it was, I had nine minutes of that, it. it's amazing, in nine minutes, I'm just like, <laughs> Man, we haven't even said hello yet, and we're nine. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you do it. I could never, ever, ever, ever do it. on am nowhere near precise enough in my questioning. Not that I have questioning, um, but to to actually get it out there in nine minutes. But that, so no, that's so no, that's a long not, a long time for you. Yeah.
1: I, on a Zoom junket, it's a long time. Any junket, it's a long time. Uh, and it's changed a lot. So I've been doing this for 17, 18 years. And when I first started doing it, there was obviously no online or digital, as hard as that must be to imagine for you, uh, <laughs> and for us all. Uh, and I remember when Daniel Craig uh, started doing press, Vic Royale, he was the new blonde bond. Do you remember? It was just chaos and everyone yep. and all the Brits were like, nut, 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 we can't <laughs> do him. Uh And he came down to Sydney. Uh, to do interviews. And I got 40 minutes with him, 40 minutes wow. with him. Uh, and that wasn't unheard of. I got about an hour with Sting. Um, were, you, you were given a decent chance to get down into nitty Gritty. Um, I flew to Hong Kong to do Jackie Chan. And thank goodness I got 45 minutes with him because it took 20 minutes just to kind of find the groove. And then the last 20 minutes was just top notch. So we don't have any time. Uh, first of all you don't really have any time and what now is an average junket slot of four minutes I shit you not so any junket I could fly when I flew over to do Johnny Depp uh, for the Michael Mann um, film um, Public Enemy um, I got two minutes 30 and I flew all the way to, to Chicago for two minutes 30 and now your average junket is around about three minutes and but you'll get two or three members of cast and you can pull a story together for that uh, because they're just so many outlets so they just trying yeah. to cram as much promo win as they can but yeah the interviews aren't nearly as nourishing as they used to be so sitting here and talking to you feels pretty bloody good
0: yay I'm glad it feels pretty bloody good I'm glad you talked about when I talk to Johnny Depp and then the yeah, seconds after just, it you go it feels good talking to you I'm like oh, yes that's because that's my <laughs> objective to, To knock Johnny Depp off some kind of pedestal, which the world seems to be doing on some level at the moment anyway. Um,
1: Holy shit. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, look, as you know, with what I did, we just kind of go. I did want to talk to you about the Depp versus Amber Heard. Have you ever interviewed Amber Heard?
1: I have interviewed Amber Heard. I did her. she was in um, Magic, one of the Magic Mike movies. uh, And she was, you know, delightful. Uh, That was a while ago now. I never interviewed her for Aquaman. And I'm finding whatever that channel obscure american channelers that's getting like 330 million viewers so they can watch wall to wall coverage of this court case they must be rubbing their hands with glee mm-hmm. uh it's phenomenal that this judge allowed all of these cameras in court i don't yeah. think i can't think of anything else Is oj simpson you, you've probably got a better recollection of what trials we've watched minute by minute but nothing as that i can remember anyway especially in my field in the entertainment field that people have been glued to um with such intensity
0: it's so fascinating as well. I was having a chat to someone the other day, just my personal life, about the 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 what we've just changed in five years when it comes to believing people. Because you know, when the Me Too movement kicked in and the whole believe all women idea started, and yeah. now what we're seeing on TikTok is people mocking Amber Heard and her testimony openly. Like it's like I was I just thought about it the other. Day. I was like, if this had have happened what was the Me Too move? I mean, the Me Too movement is still there. I'm not saying it's gone, but it really ripped yeah. in at maybe 2018. It was that sort of time frame. If this had to happen, then I can't imagine people, uh, the, I, was, I tried to find it before we came on, but there's a TikTok going around how, how she said in her testimony, um, he slapped me and then I turned around and he slapped me across the face. So I turned around and faced him and said after he slapped me. And I'm like, so, so the reason people are mocking it because they're acting it out. It's like, how do you get slapped across the face and then turn around? And now it might that be that if it happened, if it happened, that he slapped her and she spun. But it sounds like the way she said it is she was facing the wrong way. So how does he slap her across the face? Now, whether that's true or not, I have no idea. I have no commentary on that. But even that there are memes around the world by men and primarily women, but men and women kind of mocking her testimony. I just how far it's come in four or five years since that moment where, you know, the the me too movement me too movement kind of kicked mm-hmm. off it's it's a fascinating observation i guess is what i'm saying yeah,
1: you're so right. And I mean, there is the court of public opinion and that's what this is. Essentially, it's playing out in the courtroom, but the rest of it and uh, maybe uh, even the worst of it, well, clearly the worst of it's playing out um, across the world when it comes to TikTok. And it's, I've been thinking about this a lot in the last week. I've got a 14 year old um, stepdaughter and she just, she doesn't get fired up about much. She's just at that age. Uh, yep. And she came home one day and off she went on this really fascinating uh rant against amber heard and wow. and about how johnny depp is the hero and she's manipulating him and and i i was it just came from such left field and i think we are you getting all of this information from he said it's from the court it's from what's happening in the testimony i said well how what do you because she's not on tiktok um right. so that's what her friends are all talking about uh and i was I was so shocked and I sort of sat her down. I I had this big conversation around how for me, all this does uh, regardless of whose side you're on and you shouldn't even be on one in this context. It's just a top successful of, of one of the most, Ghastly relationships just being splayed out in front of the world um, to pluck stuff from that they find fascinating, and the salaciousness of someone pooing in someone's bed, and is it a dog? Is it a human? Um, it's Johnny Depp and watching his career as it has done go go down on a slide. Uh, we know he's had drug and alcohol issues. Um, we know that, and you know, in Britain, he's basically it's been upheld that he's a wife beater. Then you've got this happening in court. Uh, but all of that aside, and when Either you're on Amber Heard's side or Johnny Depp's side, I feel like it's just bringing out the worst in everybody uh, and just in fact the other tab I have opened um, on my laptop right now is in a fabulous New York Times opinion piece on Amber Heard and the Me Too movement which you just talked about and what right. this means and um, how com- she's a complicated victim uh, and so women perhaps are struggling to relate to her or people are struggling to relate to her um, and it just shows that Me Too is a complicated um, issue but it shouldn't no way should it spin, and you've just said it, should it spin the mentor, Me Too movement on its head. Um, that's exactly It's a great piece if you get the chance to um, to have a read of it.
0: Yeah, and, really.
1: You know, human beings, we, we are complicated and we are, we're all of some of our parts and we all come to this story with different experiences, uh, and hopefully not as hideously toxic as this, but probably some, um, women and men come from even worse situations. Uh, and I, I just feel like it's just bringing out the worst in us where everyone's got an opinion on two people that most of us have never met
0: yeah other than you like of the two <laughs> of us well, well listen i'm gonna do a quick i'm gonna i'm gonna do a quick research here uh could yeah. you raise your hand if you have interacted with johnny depp or amber heard anyone in the so so? okay so my research says 50 percent of people know johnny depp and amber heard so maybe that's <laughs> <laughs> my anecdote it's anecdotal it's anecdotal research it's not necessarily scientific <laughs>
1: Okay, I believe you. I believe you. But yes, I'll tell you a funny story, though. I did yeah. my way uh, over all over for Johnny Depp. And he went for lunch. And that was unfortunate because he went to lunch for three hours. So there was like... <laughs> 40 press waiting to do the junket thinking okay he's going to come back after lunch and are we going to get anything uh, of any sense out of him because he's made it really clear that he does like a glass of wine um yep. and i tell you what he's a very functioning alcoholic because he came in and gave me a, um, a cracking interview even if it was only two minutes 30 long um and then the second time i didn't interview him i was flying all the way to the stage um, they shut down uh Disneyland, as Disney wants to do and they did a Pirates with the Caribbean junket and he just flew straight past us all, <laughs> he got about three, three and then off he went and I'm standing there like tits on a ball with my microphone and camera going, now what do I do I've just flown from New Zealand for Johnny Depp and I haven't even got him for the story so those are my two um, experiences of, um, mm-hmm. of Depp actually I did a third, what was the third one what's the film he was in with shit Penelope Cruz, was that another, was Penelope Cruz in a Pirates film?
0: I I visualised her in a white top with the arm, so maybe she was.
1: Yeah, I, I'm now getting another flashback to another junket, where um, he, yes, and he, he stood up and gave me a huge kiss on the cheek, so I knew he wasn't sober, uh, and then talked about wanting to shoot blow. wanting to, shoot, wanting to um, shoot tequila shots, I must have dig that interview well. up. Um, was it blow? I think blow? It, Go! Oh, yes. Yeah. Of course. That's
0: yeah. what he was in, Which actually was a really cracking watch. I love that film. Yeah, same. He's a, he, look, it's a, like, again, I, I make it really clear no matter what I say publicly or anything or say, no one has any idea what the truth in that story is no other clue. than those two. No pages. clue. N- no no clue. clue. But he is right. such a likable character. I mean, some of the interviews he's done, like on the Graham Norton show and that, about, you know, going through, uh, having um, protein powder and going through the Miami airport. You know, and having the Miami uh, the 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 security officer open up the bag and have the protein powder go, Poof. and you know it's he seems so <laughs> likable. It's and, and obviously his films are, are pretty spectacular. From the old man that I am, thinking back to, to Twenty One Jump Street days, watching it when yeah. it was on on telly, um, yeah. it's just it's just. And I don't know anything about Amber Heard, so I'm not I'm neither Team Johnny nor Team Amber. But what I have is I have a relationship with Johnny Depp. Because he's he's been there forever. I have no relationship with Amber Heard. So I probably do have a bias towards wanting to see it work out for him. Again, stating, I have no idea what the situation is. But he's been in my life since I was a teenager. She's been in my life since, actually through him, really, because I I got to know about her on a a Graham Norton interview when he was talking about Rum Diaries. And that's where my first experience. So, So I've got this person that's in my life, you know what it's like? I mean you'll know this because of what you do. Like when I went and saw the whatever the new Star Wars movies was where Han Solo, spoiler alert, got got yeah. killed. Force Awakens. I, oh, yeah. Force Awakens. I, I, I cried in the, in the cinema. Because Oh, me. He's been a part of my life since the, you know, since well, I was too young to go to the first one, but certainly that kind of the of the first three, I saw one or two of them, maybe one of them in the cinemas. And he's been a part of my life since there. And when this character died, on, like I didn't realise I wasn't prepared for it, even though some little prat had said to Neither. one of my kids that he dies. I, I cried in the cinema. I'm like, this is a person from my life. So you have a relationship with these characters and these people and Johnny Depp is one of those people. You know, I've I've probably seen Edward yeah. hands twenty times. You know, he's one of those Yeah, he's one he's one of those few actors that if he's in something, I'll watch it. You yeah. know, Den Denzel, Morgan Freeman, him, if he's in it, I'll watch the movie. Even if I know nothing about the movie. He's one of those guys for yeah. me.
1: Look, I feel you, and I know what you mean. And I wonder if this is part of the whole swell and groundswell of of not wanting him to be the person that he might be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so we don't yeah. want we don't want our heroes to um, to be someone that we're not. And the, the reality is, is we've got to know him through the performances that he's made and the version of himself that he communicates to the press. I'm under no illusions that I get a version of whoever I interview in fucking four minutes. I get <laughs> even less of a version. Do you know what I mean? So unless I'm Socialising with that person, which doesn't happen very often, whether I'm seeing them out in the wild, uh, even that's not the same as opening the front door of their house and seeing what goes on behind closed doors. So it's a very complicated relationship that we have with these people. And when they mean that much to us, and when you think about the debt fan base, uh, that's got a big part of this. And if we think about the last uh, 10 years, particularly the last maybe five.
0: Um, and in fact,
1: a fascinating article just hit about Roman Polanski and Cannes, who cannot get funding for the first time. Even the French are turning on Roman Polanski. Right. Now, I watched, I watched Frantic the other night, hadn't watched it for years. A Roman Polanski film, forgot it was actually a Polanski, because um, I wanted to watch an old Harrison Ford, and it's a great film. Um, And, well, for for its year, for the 80s. And it it blew me away that we have a guy that was kicked out um, of the States, who's in exile in Europe, who made Oscar... I don't know if winning. Did he win an Oscar? I think he might have won a couple of Oscars. After being charged with raping a 13-year-old, he went over to Europe and continued to blossom as a filmmaker. Um, The French loved him, the Europeans loved him, even the Americans loved him um, with Academy Awards. And, And yet... In this day and age, when we're looking at the Woody Allen's, whether after the Weinstein uh, blow-up, and we're and we're looking at the Roman Polanski's, it's still only now that the French have said, you know what? I don't think. Um, we're really interested in what Roman Polanski has to offer. It's just been a really fascinating arc and a journey and it drills down into the can I still love listening to Michael Jackson music? Can I still love Johnny Depp? Can I, you know, Kevin Spacey was one of my favourite actors and, you know, can I still watch Seven without knowing what's going on in his personal life? And the reality is I can't um, as much as I really, really want to. And people have to kind of choose whether it's important to them. Can they put all of that aside uh, and just enjoy the film for what it is some people can and some
0: people can't and will smith's going through that at the moment as well because of the slap heard we're on the world just so you know because this is what we do in this show i just uh jumped on and had a look at wikipedia roman polanski has yep. been nom- nominated for five and yep. one obviously for the pianist oh,
1: that's
0: what it was thank you for clearing that up so, so that's all right. Um, right re- i'll be a researcher anytime kate i'll oh, bring it yeah. on
1: no Plenty to do with one of those, mine. My, my year old <laughs>
0: memory doesn't serve me so well. The, the world's going through it with Will Smith at the moment. I mean, I, I saw um, King Richard come across. It's on one of the streaming platforms. I saw it pop yeah. up. I've se- I've seen the movie and it's an yeah. amazing movie, right? Yeah. But it popped up on wherever I saw it on whatever streaming service I saw it on the other day and I was like, hmm, don't know. Don't know how I feel about it. I don't know if I can watch these. And, and like, I'm not, I mean, let's be honest. uh, Like, uh, like like stealing someone's uh, stealing someone's lunch money is different from murdering them. We do have elevations of crime. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So slapping a human, uh, slapping another man as well, slapping a human being across the face compared to some of these things we're talking about with the mean too is is on the minor end of the actual criminal activity. Not to obviously give him a green light for it, but just being blunt. But even that, it's like it's it's such a. I feel really different about him. I mean, Will Smith was one of those guys for me as well that I probably I even I even saw his terrible movies with, that he starred with his son in. Um, one of those guys, and I'm and I'm going through that. I mean, we're not going through it. There's nothing that I have to worry about. But you know, my kids were introduced to Fresh Prince a few years ago thanks to the streaming services, and they loved it. And and it's it's a different. It feel does feel different. Feels different, like thinking about that. Like one, one, like I, I Kevin Spacey thing was me as well, because of course I was, uh, as most of us we were, a huge fan of. What was he? The, the the Netflix series that he was the president in. Um, the,
1: the, uh, he was he, Frank, and he was House of Cards
0: yeah which then I, yeah. I haven't even watched the last series i don't know if you've done it because you have to because of your job no. but it wasn't no. in the last series so i so I, I haven't watched it and that was one of the greatest i mean that's up there with like the breaking bads and the sopranos and the you know of, know. of quality quality uh television but um but the one for me was louis ck louis yeah. ck was the probably my favorite stand-up comedian and this, this might be taken the wrong way by some people. Oh, I don't care. But I was like, when that was happening with the Me Too movement and the accusations and, the, and those were coming out, I went like, no, if anyone, not Louis, anyone else, but not Louis, because I can't. What am I going to do without Louis? So he was that, you know. So it was like, it was how we think about those people Prior to finding out what they did post, if we have more of a relationship with them, it impacts us, you know, even more. But yeah, Kevin wow. Spacey and House of Cards, and now thinking about Will Smith, and you know, I noticed that some of the things he had organised have been put on hold. I think he had some streaming uh, movies set yeah. up, and they've been put on hold. So it's yeah. a it's um, a, I, I did an interview once with Don Brash, mm-hmm. and I and I talked to him about his well-publicised, so this is not talking outside of school, infidelity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I said to him, and and this was when I was younger and a bit cheeky and doing a podcast that, you know, I said, to him, how how can we as the public trust you with our vote hmm. if the people who are closest to you, you have a history of them not being able to trust you? Hmm. And he said to me, it's a fair question. And I guess that's for the public to decide. And he goes, but I'll tell you something. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Um, I'll tell you something that if we judge the politicians on what happened behind closed doors, there wouldn't be many people in politics. And I went, or we'd have an authentic group of politicians, because actually what happens behind closed doors probably speaks more to their character than what happens in a, in a four minute conversation. Now, I don't want to pry into everyone's personal business, but when you put on a front out, you know, in public of one thing, like I I didn't, yeah. never knew this. I saw a clip today that just popped up on my newsfeed about how Hollywood hates Chevy Chase. And how he's he's been troubled all the way through, and how he's been banned from S N L, and they went through all the series, and how you know um, a whole bunch of people that he worked with have said to him how difficult he is, and how he's basically a dick. Never heard that before. Didn't know. Yeah. Take it with a grain of salt now, yeah. but it appears that what they're saying, and I'll say they're saying because I just have seen one story, is behind closed doors yeah. he's a very different person from in front. But it, you, where you see the character is when no one's looking, when the the, the true character of someone gets. Gets put out there when no one sees what they're doing because then they can be real as to if they're a dick or if they're you know genuine yeah. people or again it goes both ways. I know people who you know like I, I that give to charity and help out things and they never seek attention for it. No,
1: no. You know, so no. that, but that's
0: where their true character comes out when there's no cameras or no one's watching. So I don't yeah. want to know about people's personal business, but I also acknowledge that behind closed doors, what happens in that house when no one's looking is where their true character also shows.
1: Agreed, but I would argue that that's far more important for politicians than it is for actors, um, and it's just an yeah. interesting relationship that we allow when people come into our living rooms and our hearts, and if we're passionate about film and content and um, and we feel like we know them, yes, sure, um, but politicians, they're making decisions that impact on us, Agreed. and I think if you're pretending to be someone you're not, then that's not cool. Interestingly, you talking about Louis C.K. I mean, that guy just won a fucking Grammy, and within yeah. that, uh, there was humour uh, and uh, humour, sorry, uh, looks like a news, the bunny is, um, about the fact that he's been accused of sexual misconduct. So, um, you th- Hollywood's memory seems to be uh, good for some and, and not for others in terms of who's able to make a comeback. And I'm not sure Spacey ever will. Apparently he's been signed on to another film. Um, but uh, I don't think we'll see the light of day uh, with him again, because I guess the nature of the charges um, laid against him. Um, And it's, um, it's, yeah, you also talk about how you judge a person when it comes to actors on sets. And when I get to talk to lots of people who work on film sets, you get a real sense for the genuine article are people that just treat everybody else that they work with from the gaffer to um to the dop to makeup um if you've got someone in your makeup chair for four hours a day yeah. you're probably getting to know them pretty well and it's yeah. how those people treat others and if it's with respect and if it's with care and for all the, the Scientology and uh, everything else that goes on with Tom Cruise all you ever hear from every single person that I've spoken to that's worked with him from the actors to, and down uh, into production cast uh, he just treats everyone with complete respect um, and I think those kinds of things make a big difference
0: yeah, it's uh, the same The same story that I saw about uh, Chevy Chase. Lorne Michaels was quoted in it. And for those who don't know, Lorne Michaels is sort of the dude behind Saturday Night Live. He started it. He's the originator of it. He left for a while and then it failed and they brought him back and he's basically been there, I think, like 38 out of the 42 years or whatever it's been going on. Maybe even more, maybe like 41 out of the 42 years. He said that his experience with people is the first two years they get public notoriety, they go off the rails, then they either come back. Or they're gone forever. So, wow. so I, I guess what he's saying is he's seen that. Especially he's working with like, you know, like I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Eddie Murphy was 19 when he was on SNL. So he's working wow, with people. Who I know when he did uh, Delirious, he was 22. Like all these comedians now talk about Delirious as this, this kind of mecca of thing. And this, he was a 22 year old kid when he did Delirious, and that was I think the second or third year he was on SNL. Um, he might have been 20, but he was that sort of age. So Lauren Michaels works with sort of 20 to 30-year-olds or 20 to 35-year-olds. So he's seeing them when they come out and they get notoriety, I guess, for a, a lot of the time. Um, yeah, yeah and that's, what he, that's what he said about the story. Um, as a part of the story, he said, he, he didn't use these words, I guess, but he's basically saying they turn into dicks for the first two years because they think their shit don't stink. And then after that mm-hmm. two years, they go, oh, okay, th- this is I'm being a bit of a dick. And they change and they find whatever their new normal is, or they stay like that. Uh, I don't know about whether that happens. I mean, I've come across that in the radio industry a little bit between the people who do the same thing, who won't. Like, Paul Holmes was the most, the the likeable, nicest, happy-go-lucky, friendly guy. Would, I mean like I literally was bottom of the barrel in that group of people and he would give me time, not that I asked for it but he talked talk to me, he asked ask me about what's going on, he'd be genuinely saying to me when I was leaving the building and he was arriving, so what are they talking about Pat, what are they talking about, because he was like he was using me as a source of knowledge because he knew that I just spent hours talking to everybody about what was going on and he was, there yeah. was a respect thing there, whereas other people who have come in and do those sorts of jobs are like just Ignore you. Don't talk to people. You know, don't come in my space. And so it's nothing like a Johnny Depp versus a you know versus a Louis CK versus a profile. But I've on a more minor way, I've seen it with people, and I'm sure you have, sure you have too. But seeing yeah. with people yeah. that can that can be your every man, or can be kind of elitist, stuck up pricks as well. Seen it both.
1: Yeah. Also, another way to look at things is we can't expect everybody to be a um, you know. It takes a <laughs> There's lots of different people who are attracted to the public, the court of um, whether it's talking, whether it's talking and being seen uh, or having an opinion. Uh, And I see it with um, some actors where they're actually almost not interested. They're so focused on their craft uh, that they come across as assholes. Uh, yeah. when often they can be genuinely really shy. I've met so many actors that have crippling uh, self-esteem. It's, it actually must suck to be an actor because you're constantly going to job interviews, one after another after another, and then you yeah. can get a get a, win a job and then make yeah. a film, and everyone hates it. In fact, just talking to Hayden about the toxic fan base of the prequels for Star Wars, I mean, that would scar you for life. I mean, he was absolutely eviscerated uh, by the fan base for his performances as Anakin. Um, and it's so interesting watching uh, how uh, the, the the feeling around the prequels has shifted and especially for Revenge of the Sith. But, you know, he still had to deal with that as a really young man in his first big acting gig. Uh, and you've got people that really we think they're 10 foot tall and bulletproof uh, but we also imagine that they seeking the fame. I mean, Heath Ledger hated all the fame associated with the craft mm. that he loved. And um, with a very different personality. And I've, I've worked with people on radio and TV who, who aren't particularly sociable. Doesn't make them assholes uh, who aren't, partic- you know, that can come across as arrogant when in fact they're, they're just not comfortable around groups of people or even comfortable with their, their public persona. It's a, there is that aspect of it. There are egos, don't get me wrong, um, but there's also that side of it, which I find really interesting.
0: Yeah, and I think also for all of us to be in front of a camera or a microphone or whatever at some stage, there has to be an element of, if not ego, certainly if you want to put yourself up in front of people, there has to be a little bit of sort of swagger to yeah. you I think that comes with a territory because if it didn't it wouldn't work um i uh, still thinking about that conversation around Johnny Depp and around what we know behind closed doors as well I, I realized as you were talking then that when you don't know someone and what their real true life is I agree with you about politicians are more important than than obviously actors and that because they're they're paid to do a job on screen that's ultimately the mm. end game mm. you know if you if, if the guy who picks up your rubbish is an asshole, um it doesn't <laughs> stop him picking up the rubbish you know, that's the, that's no. his job. Um that's but fine. I I realized actually, and I might have been watching Graham Norton again, how little I knew about Donnie Depp in real life when I heard him talk for the first time. I'm like, shit, that's your voice. And I had the same with Christian Bale. Like listening to Christian Bale's accent, his real life accent, when I realized I think I'd only heard him talking in an American accent yeah. ever. Yeah. And then you hear his real accent. And it's like I, I get what you're saying as well, because his story is about him being um always in character someone told the story um, about how he was on set for batman and there was a, a welsh guy as one of the extras and they were like um you know hey boy oh, you're from you're from my hometown what 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 part of wales are you from and he said i'm from gotham and he wouldn't break character because that's his thing so there was yeah. this welsh extra asking christian bale about where in <laughs> wales he originated from and the response he got was i'm from gotham because he wouldn't yeah. break it and and i look at that and think oh, that's a bit weird i've always asked the question of those people who always stay in character i wonder if they do that if they're doing a play you know they get off stage at the end of the night and then they go home to their family do they stay in character probably not because that would be really yeah. weird
1: yeah but what's any more weird about staying in character when you're in a film set? i suppose you're off in saying. a away location yeah i guess so Look, that all came to a head a little bit with jeremy strong uh, with Succession, didn't I, earlier in the year uh, when he did that, well, I think it was a New Yorker article uh, where he was completely slammed by the internet for coming across as a little bit of a freak uh, with the fact that he was getting into character. Uh, and uh, what's the name of the um, actor who plays Logan Roy? Bloody legends it is uh and he was sort of saying you know he probably needs to (laughs) loosen up a little bit it's just acting and it created this huge conversation around what we consider to be method acting and staying in character and you know i'm just saying everyone has their own process and if that's what they're doing to produce the best of whatever they're doing we all want to be the best at whatever we're doing um, especially if we're passionate about it there he is what a legend brian cox who came down yeah. to new zealand actually i think um a little while ago
0: and he um
1: commented in the article that um he, he probably thought that maybe jeremy need to um he has pretty old school old old brian
0: i i think for for an actor for me watching it's about what ends up on the i mean i don't want anyone yes. to be addicted to, dick to their fellow colleagues and stuff behind the scenes but i mean I... we don't we don't go to watch guardians of the galaxy to even though chris pratt comes across and head of as a lovely person but we don't go to him worrying too much if he's had road rage on the way to the studio we come there to watch his performance on the on the screen
1: that's exactly right and in fact when you talk to different filmmakers about uh, different environments and different collaborations and the way that people work on screen. You have two very ver- different versions. You can have the total dictator, like we've heard a lot of things about James Cameron and how he can be a little bit um, intense and um, how to work with. You've got David Fincher, who I think, there's that incredible scene in the social network um, with Jesse Eisenberg and, and Rooney Mara uh, where they're just talking back and forth with each other for what feels like an eternity. Uh, and it's an incredible scene. And I think Fincher made them do it something like 99 times. Can you uh, imagine what that would do to an actor? Fincher's notorious for making time after time after time. Whereas you get a Clint Eastwood who is just like one take and we're off and we'll do the next one. <laughs> and it has a very different approach to wanting to get the best out of his cast. Uh, so I'd imagine uh, when it comes to... The same as with a ceo you know some ceos come in and just bowl the whole place over sack everybody and employ all the people that they want and they lead in a very alpha kind of a way um and we're male or female but i suppose i'm being a little bit more male and maybe coming from the mark weldon experience that i had to endure um but if there's lots of different ways where you can approach something uh and directors are, are no different
0: yeah i was going to say as well i'm just looking for it as i'm talking to you that's you're talking about how people can be driven hard there's a, a yeah. series that I'm watching at the moment on YouTube originals. Um, it's called Best Shot. And I've only seen the yeah. first episode, but I was, I'm going to bring a little bit of it up. there's uh <laughs> it's about a, a group of uh, about a group of central um, they're in New Jersey, Newark, New Jersey, and they're young kids playing basketball, and it's all about the community around them, and it's all about how. Uh, you know, there's, there's this one guy they call OG who's probably 50 from the looks of things, who's lived in that neighborhood and he wants all these kids to go to college. So it's that kind of story. It's a, it's a documentary series. But there's this yeah. scene in it and I won't put the sound on because it'll get us probably kicked off it. There's a scene in it where these kids get this guy here who is a former NBA basketball player to come in and mm-hmm. he um, he drills them. But that, so that's the that's the that's the guy the OG. Yeah. But they get this yeah. this 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 guy here talking on the left hand side for people who are listening. You'll need to get online and have a look. Um, a former NBA player who now um, works as an ESPN analyst, and he says to the coach, "I just want one drill today. Just give me one drill." And he takes the kids through this thirteen minute drill, which is literally just dribbling and moving the ball in their hands and nothing else, and spinning it around mm-hmm. their back for thirteen minutes. And by the end of it all the kids are basically ready to throw up they've worked so hard um and and their forearms are burning and their legs are burning This is see people who are watching will see if you don't if you're not if you're listening you won't see it but just holding the ball above their head fingertips this is all they do for 13 minutes and by the end of it they're all shattered like it's the hardest workout they've ever done and as you're talking about directors i was thinking about this clip going we accept this in sport we accept a coach going work your fucking ass off i don't care if it's hurting but it feels a bit different sometimes perhaps in movies when a director wants to get something out of his actors by working them hard you know what i mean
1: yeah it does i know like this this
0: is this is this is acceptable like you know he's actually he's actually driving them as harder than they've ever been driven all they're doing is dribbling people can't who are listening won't know this but they're all sweating look at them you can see the guys they're they're in pain No, look, and you see the clock in the background? The clock in the background just yeah. said eight minutes. They've only been going for five minutes and they're already exhausted just doing this drill. But it just made me think when you were talking about, you know, a director driving his, you know, wanting 90 takes. It's like, yeah, we, ex- we accept that 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 kind of intensity and focus from a sporting coach. Why not from a director?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of ways of looking at that as well. These boys are all being taught to do one thing, and that's play basketball. Um, I could argue that on a film set, uh, you're involved with bringing out different things from different people uh, for different reasons. I get you're all working towards winning, slash basketball, or winning as in making the best film that you can, you may have someone who genuinely gives his best work in his first take. uh, And you might have someone that really will respond, depending on the kind of scene and what you're going to bring out, will, will respond kind of differently. And I suspect that's why directors when they collaborate with certain actors like a school and DiCaprio will keep working together again and again and again because actually their creative processes are such that they bring out the best in each other. Uh, whereas you may have other actors where it's like, oh yeah, you might have got me at an Oscar worthy level in that film, but I, I fucking hated that experience and I don't want to go do it again. So, um, and that's, that can be said for any project in any yeah. life, I, I guess.
0: Well, I guess that's smart. That's being smart, isn't it? It's like in the education sector. You want to pitch, as much as you can, pitch to the pitch to the person you're responding to. In an education setting, it would be to the child in a way that yeah. is going to give them the best ability to get to where they need to get. And some yeah. of them need tough love. Some of them need kit gloves. Some of them need yeah. rewards. And it's the same sort of thing. Um, have you seen, I'm sure you have, Andy and Me, the documentary on Netflix about uh, Andy Kaufman and Jim Carrey? No. Okay. Okay. So here's here's my one my one piece of advice for you, uh, yes. Liz Roger is uh, there's a documentary on I th- I'm pretty sure it was Netflix. I think it's called Andy and Me or Me and Andy, one of the yes. two. And it's it's yes. um, when Jim Carrey did Man on the Moon. Jim Amazing. Carrey Jim Carrey had his own cameras, and he took footage the whole time of what he was doing behind the scenes, and that footage was the the studio re- refused to allow him to release it and it was only up until about 2 years ago that they gave him permission to make the documentary that he was going to make then so it's amazing All
1: right, and I'm writing, I'm writing it down
0: yeah yeah you yeah, should sure. i've watched it 3 times it's like it's i uh, like i'm i'm addicted to watching things that demonstrate the creative purpose and the creative yeah. sorry the the creative process so I love yeah. Back and Forth by Foo Fighters. You know, the, one of the things I think I love about this documentary that I'm watching on YouTube, Originals, is because it's showing how these kids are getting to their end goal. This is one of those, but it's it's like to the extreme. And um, it's one of those moments, Jim Carrey didn't stay, it's a really weird way to explain it, but he didn't stay method. He, he kind of did his Jim Carrey sort of spiritual thing and was like, I was sitting on the beach and the dolphins came and I got infused with the spirit of Andy Kaufman, you know? And so he doesn't, admit to being method, but he never broke character while he was on set, including pranking other people and doing all those things that you hear about, you know, people hating like getting, you know, the Batman series where people were getting delivered uh, rats as gifts. or oh, the, the Suicide Squad stuff, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but at one stage, the direct, uh, Jim Carrey's talking, so he's obviously to camera, like in, in current time, he's doing a piece about the documentary that, he, that they made. Um, yeah. And he was talking about the director. And he basically says the director approached Andy um, and said to him, you know, talking to Jim Carrey. Oh no, no, sorry. He phoned Jim. And he had this conversation with Jim on the phone, talking about how much difficulty he was having with Andy on the set. And Jim's like, oh, you know, we can um, I can I can try and get a hold of him and like we could we could see if we could sort it out. And I mean, like Jim goes, I guess I could come on set tomorrow and do an impression of Andy, meaning it would be different for Jim. And he tells a story, and he, and I can't, it's an accent. I'm not going to do it, but he basically says, The director on the phone and goes, oh, No, <laughs> we have to get to the end of this process. So it's like he drew all of them on board and took them with him, even though the director was like, This is a pain in the ass. He knew that this was yeah. going to be the, the best result and the best way to. It's amazing. There's a moment in that documentary where Andy Kaufman's child comes to set. And spends time with Andy Kaufman off set. There's no cameras, obviously, and Andy Kaufman's family say of Jim Carrey. It was it was we were with Andy, so they say it was like it's it's an amazing documentary. Everyone who love everyone who loves anything should see it. But if you're a film person, yeah, yeah. you should definitely see it. It's amazing. And then text me afterwards and tell me what you think because it is okay, amazing. Yeah, i've yeah. written
1: it down I, another one very similar to that and because val kilmer is front of the center at the moment after watching top gun last night for the third time top gun maverick <laughs> uh he has uh, val who another one who just constantly was um, making video as he was going through his career i just find i find people that do that it's just fascinating to me
0: yeah well, it's certainly it's certainly more prevalent now as well i mean the thing with that andy documentary is that was from i'm gonna say 96 97 was when man on the moon came out something like that it's very it's far less likely that people were walking around with you know cameras like this and yeah, that. Right. Age. but now here's my 4k camera you know it's literally yeah. a 4k camera Um yeah. and, and it seems to be something that kind of started not that maybe started but was popularized maybe by the skaters Starting in the 80s, yep. you've got all that footage like you know Dog, uh, Dogtown and Z Town with Dog, yeah.
1: Um,
0: that that they, they were the guys that seemed to because they wanted to catch what be they were doing. Yeah. yeah, and and from there, I mean, like, um, who was it? Oh, it's Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle has a photographer with him at all times. Like one of his crew, one of his paid employed people, is a photographer and a videographer, and they're with him all the time. So that wow. just seems to be, you know, we talk now about content not necessarily yeah. about film or radio, and they're all doing it. And then from from Dave doing it, it seems like other comedians, like, you know, when uh, I follow, uh, there's a podcast called um, Two Beers, One Cave with yeah. Burt Kreischer yeah. and Tom Segura, and when they go out yeah. on the bus, part of the crew that travels with them when they're touring is a videographer. They go everywhere. Right. So, so it's a probably, so 20 years from now, there'll be a shit ton of footage to look back, but 1997, 1996, bit different and you know, they, they not so much everyone had them. Especially if someone is mad, although I love not mad in a bad way, is Jim Carrey basically doing his own footage and yeah. then having to wait twenty years for the studio to finally allow him to then release it. So yeah, but it's it's a, it certainly is fascinating. Sounds
1: exhausting. I don't want someone fucking videoing and photographing constantly no. all of the time. It's um it sounds um, truly it's something invasive and exhausting, but some people are into it.
0: Where you are at life right now, you are talking about doing junkets. I mean, I think the idea for most of us who haven't kind of travelled to Tokyo or travelled to Los Angeles or travelled to wherever to meet a celebrity sounds, you know, like the, like staying in hotels and travelling in planes sounds sounds fun. Where you are right now, though, especially with the last kind of two and a half years of everything being online, is there one you prefer over the other? Like, do you like being able to? I am assuming I can see the Star Wars thing in the background. You spoke to Hayden Christensen yeah. from from your own house, yeah. Um, and what, recorded it at at T V three? Like they did it or you just record it locally and it's gonna be on T V three or?
1: Hell no. So work? the entire junket system, when COVID we realised we'd kicked in full, full on with COVID,
0: we yeah. have Junket
1: Productions, um, which is runs junkets all over the world. So when I do fly to Tokyo and London to do junkets, there'll be a company, um, and this, in this case, Junket Productions, who will organise the entire thing. So Disney, right. Paramount, whoever will contract these people to come in, they'll provide all of the crews, they'll provide all the technology, uh, and you'll go to the hotel, you'll do each of the rooms, they give you your cards, and off you go. Uh, and that's how it function so that literally in a heartbeat shifted into this so, uh, I, it became very professional incredibly quickly. Uh, it's proper professional Zoom. Uh, they have proper technical crews and rooms where you go into and they check your sound and your pictures, which they don't need to do very often for me. Now, I'm, you know, I'm set up. I've got a thingy jag I've got a nice Den mic. Um, I've got a ring light, which I hate and I'm used to and really <laughs> in the middle of the night. Um, I've got natural light that comes in. Um, sometimes, uh, there'll be a child asleep there or there'll be some carnage going on or a cat killing a cicada Behind me but the reality is i didn't have to two days ago get on a plane and fly to la yeah. um, to interview hayden christensen in the flesh uh there are two because now i'm in that change again <clears throat> so top gun um, two weeks ago is the first time i've left the country uh last time we chatted was oscars wasn't it so this is the first yeah. time that i have been put on a plane and sent to uh do a red carpet and it was just. Mental, I mean, I I couldn't have wanted a better, um, you know. A curtain raiser uh, to in-person junkets. It was on a fucking aircraft carrier in San Diego Harbor and (laughs) Tom arrived by helicopter and it was, you know, 150 press and it was all of that kind of the physicality of being a human being and getting caught up in something like that. I mean, Tom Cruise invented that shit. You know, he invented going all around the world uh, and telling his fans and the press how great he is and how great his film is and how we should go to the cinema and watch that film. And he hasn't lost that ability. Uh, But right we'll say is the morning of the so we call them junkets by the way but um it's not like everything's laid on it's not like one of those corporate junkets right? <laughs> you, get, you get everything laid on and go to strip clubs and all that kind of bullshit uh, they're just called movie junkets essentially and you know tv3 pays to go to pays for some of it and sometimes the studio pays for the hotel so we're all in the same hotel and it's always been a kind of a, a financial mix of of getting the content essentially uh and you'll get a junket day which is when you sit down in a hotel for three or four hours and wait in hotel corridors and get put in and out with your room so that notting hill scene where you got you going in for horse and hound to interview julia that is essentially exactly like that Yeah,
0: yeah and there is
1: something um really joyous about talking to a human being in the flesh. So my very first um, sit down with Jennifer Connelly and just sitting across from an actual, you know, grown woman talking about a great film and then going and sitting with Miles Teller and then John Hamm. It's it's a better interview than and full respect to what we're doing now but then being <laughs> zoomed back and forth and some actors are better at zoom some uh, you know it's also really interesting looking into people's living rooms you don't get to do it with the actors anymore the first one that I did really early on in the process yeah. um I had Sam Rockwell uh, and Helen Mirren uh, and Danny DeVito and Angelina Jolie all together and they all had such different background and Sam Rockwell looked like he was just <laughs> sitting on a corner of his kitchen somewhere wearing a home fun jersey that his grandmother gave him and he was wearing um earbuds and he was just hilarious but then you had uh, Angelina in a very different environment and Helen Mirren um, was in a room in the Four Seasons in Milan for some reason so her view was very different so there are great things about Zoom and some actors are super relaxed Because it feels different than having to get up, having to have makeup, shaking hands with all of these strange reporters all day. Um, And they're just sitting down. They possibly have a little bit more energy. uh, And sometimes you get a better version of them on Zoom. Uh, So it's a long answer to your question. We're going through a change where I am going to be a lot more choosy about the in-person junkets I do. Because it has to have a a value add above and beyond the conversation that I might have by Zoom. Uh, but there is no replacing that physicality. There's uh, the connection that you have. You at least have the time for your walk into the room where you can reconnect with that person, especially if you've interviewed them before, more time than you get with a Zoom. With Hayden, it's just you're sitting in the waiting room, a virtual waiting room, and then two seconds later, you're on camera. There's no opportunity for preamble. There's no chit-chat like which can sometimes... That first twenty, thirty 20, 30 seconds in a room can set the tone for your whole interview. Uh, so it's a very different environment. But I tell you what, I know it does sound glamorous. And after not leaving the country for two years, getting on a plane and going to San Diego and being away from my children, who I love, um, was absolutely <laughs> magnificent. Uh, and I got to 100% focus on my job at hand. So... Just before I sat down with Hayden this morning, um, my son, who he was just winding my cables, and we had this absolutely goddamn meltdown as I'm trying to get him to school in time for me to sit down, because often they'll give me a call and say, can you log on straight away? So I need a clear half hour before my junkets Right. Uh, uh, so I had no time to 100% focus on being this version of, well, not this version, but that version of me. Um, yeah. And as a full-time working mum, I know I'm really lucky that I get to, I used to be able to get to get on a plane, and as the minute I'm, I'm out in the taxi heading to the airport and going on, I can 100% mostly focus on the job at hand. Whereas Zoom is, you know, here's, this is my back shot, but the rest of my house is at Fucking mess! It's a total nightmare. Like t- there are dishes all over my kitchen. You don't even want to go behind that door back there because there's a the bedroom, and it looks like a bomb a bomb hit. So there, I've got all of that as a solo mum going on, trying to get all of this out of the way so that I can focus for that that time on that interview. So it's really, from a personal perspective, the challenges are really the challenges are really different. If that makes
0: any sense. Hey, I've got a question to ask you. It's a bit personal you cannot ask answer yeah. it if you want to just because Definitely. what we we're just talking about you just identified yourself as a solo yeah. mom, but you said earlier you've got a 14 year old stepdaughter stepdaughter yeah. implies you are w- with someone solo and impl- mom implies you're not how does it, i mean are you comfortable talking about that how does it, that oh, all work yeah
1: absolutely i so my partner uh, max i met um my partner uh 10 years ago and uh we had max uh very very quickly because i was 45 and I wasn't supposed to be able to have kids at that grand old age so he was as shocked (laughs) as I was Um, and, and we had Matt and embarked on uh, a really, a, a mostly successful 10 year relationship. And, and he came in with Jada with um, my stepdaughter, uh, she gotcha. was only two and a half, three at the time. So she's been in my life for 10 years, and she probably can't remember life that I wasn't a part of um, her life. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, our relationship um, disintegrated about a gotcha. year or so ago. Uh, but we didn't want to split the kids up and Jada uh, it was a really emotional time where suddenly the the her particularly doesn't know what her life looks like her mother lives up north north of Whangarei and obviously um her dad is going to be living somewhere else but this was her home and this is and Max and her are really close they hate each other's guts all of the time but they're siblings but they were really close and I think it was just really important that we kept the kids together and that meant that yeah. Jada stayed here and I really wanted her to stay here because it's her home and I love her um so yes it's, it's it's exhausting um most, most of the time and and she's with me um almost full time um so it's it adds to the challenge but the challenge is it's it's just really worth it and I think anyone who's listening who has come from a blended family there, there's so many different versions of what those families look like and uh and for me when any relationship splits it always got after you've got kids. That's all I gave a shit about. It was just making the kids as happy as possible. Um that was my crazy cat. What are you doing? <laughs> um and that's that's why that decision was made. And that won't always be this way. She goes to a great school here in Auckland but there's a chance she might spend you know, a year with her mum and then um she'll have a bit more time with her dad and it will um it, it will constantly change. But for this first year particularly we just want to um consistency and security and and not much to
0: change it's it's nice to talk about it's nice to hear as well and and i appreciate you sharing because obviously it's not i don't know if you've ever talked about that before kind of publicly publicly um, no, but so, <laughs> and, and it kind of reflects me back to that conversation about you know politicians behind closed doors versus entertainment or actors people you know, need that's why i said just if it's the wrong question just don't answer it it doesn't bother me um yeah because it's another question that i didn't get back to you then but maybe i can ask you now and it's not to do with you because you are a private person but how do you feel about um the celebrity lifestyle where for example they are going through some kind of divorce or let's say it's a high profile one we've had them in New Zealand with newsreaders and that kind of stuff about you know tabloid journalism and people wanting to know what's going on in their private life do you think once you're in the public eye you've got a right to that privacy and you should just leave them alone or do you think that uh, once you've put yourself like because some of the relationship breakups that uh, you know that happen in the media the, the couple will put their marriage and their kids in front of the media but then, when they break up, and that they want complete privacy, where do you, how do you think that should should work within a media context, looking at high-profile relationships and families?
1: It's a toughie, isn't it? And we see that with the, a little bit with the royal family as well. I think I feel conflicted. Um, I don't think. If you say to, it comes back to what we were just talking about, actually, which is probably why we you thought of it—that there are some celebrities that are actors that want to be actors, and the celebrity aspect of what they do they hate and abhor. Um, and then you've got a whole marketing arm around a film. You've got publicists, and, it's, uh, and when you're up and coming, you go, oh, you know, the Van- Vanity Fair wants to do a piece on you, but they really need something a little bit personal that they can that they can attach to it, so people can get to know you better. Um, so it's that balance high wire act of, of what you put out into the public eye and what you keep close to yourself yeah. uh, and some actors and their publicists and the people around them do it better than others or some celebrities or, or some well-known people in New Zealand uh, I, I I love that we don't have I don't think we have a really tabloidy media here anymore if you cast your mind back to where we used to have gossip columns and uh, and bits and pieces that, that some pretty revolting stuff used to turn up and it. it used to make my skin crawl.
0: Uh, and I,
1: I feel should people be able to, uh, share personal parts of themselves. Uh, that are good. Yay, I'm getting married. Everybody loves a wedding and a celebration. Um, or maybe they'll share um, a grief at, at losing somebody. Or maybe people will be encouraged by their personal convictions to share something really personal because they believe that, that, uh, that other people will feel uh, so much better knowing that somebody that they can connect to in a public sense can go through the same thing. I think we're seeing so much more of it with social media, where uh, people are so much more open about uh, having depression or having anxiety, or having any of those other things that people can connect to. And and maybe I'm comfortable talking about whatever I've gone through, because I know so many other people are in a blended family situation. And they know all of the challenges of that um, are involved. But um, I, I don't know, it's like the Instagram thing, we all want to share our good news oh my God, I'm so fucking happy and I'm getting married or I've had this beautiful baby, Um, uh, I can kind of get that. But I don't think we should judge people for then not wanting to share all the nitty-gritty of their their lives. And I don't think they should be hounded about it. But that could, for some people, feel a little bit of a double-edged sword and maybe not particularly authentic. How do you feel about it?
0: I think I, I struggle a bit more with people who, And I'm not just talking about, you know, a couple, celebrity couple, A and B, got married in the weekend. So it's a report on Hmm. their marriage from the outside. I struggle a bit more with people who then like sell their wedding story to be women's day. And then then they sell the story of their first baby and they hold it up for the cameras. And they literally have, because what I feel like is they've actually, like a report on such and such as wedding, they haven't invited that report in. They haven't invited the public into their wedding. They're just being reported on. Whereas selling your story about your wedding to Women's Day or whatever tabloid X in America feels like you've said to the public, come on in. Um, And then I, I struggle more with those people going, you're not entitled to know anything about our relationship. Like, well, hang on. You, you kind of invited us in. I think ultimately, yeah. if I if I had to if I had to really be like, if I had to pick a, because it, it's probably shades of grey. But if I had to pick a perspective, it would be obviously all of us as human beings are entitled to privacy when we want it. Yeah. But I find it more difficult to a person who has actively spent their time and been paid to invite us into a relationship to then want privacy yeah. when they're getting out of it. Yeah. So so whilst right. ultimately I think privacy is all always the ultimate. If you're yeah. someone who who had never invited that in, you're just reported on, then absolutely you're entitled to it. If you're someone who've actively you've basically sold your narrative, your story yep. as a part of it, then it's I, I struggle to feel more empathy towards those people when they then have the tabloids chasing up them and going, Hang on, hang on. You 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 courted me when you wanted good news. How can you reject me when it's bad? You know what? i struggle more with that. So that's where I would sit yeah. on it yeah
1: i agree it's also there's so many different ways of looking at that because you could then that there's a loss of control isn't it around the story if you allow somebody else to report it i would always be of the advice depending on the story not that i'd I'd be useless at comms but you present you put your foot forward if you want that information out there to be a correct version uh of whatever is that's being talked about um but it's yeah I, i totally agree with you um in that sense i also feel that there's, if you take someone like Robin Williams, for example, who, and also any actors, they're being paid to be in a film, and in their contract, they'll also be paid to promote that film. Yep. Uh, so they, and then they're paid to do the junk out on a day. you know, they're, they're earning money to talk about their film. And we, you know, every single interview I do, no personal questions, um, or sometimes all sorts of other sort of, you can't talk about such and such,
0: um, which I
1: always find very interesting because, uh, for that reason alone, where they've been put up uh, uh, to promote a film but we're not really allowed to talk much about beyond that so it's um yeah there's lots of gray there's lots. I, of gray. I, I
0: actually i actually think that's horseshit as well because i think so often and i'm i'm not i'm not i'm not like suffering at anything like you would for the profile of people you're talking to but so often i think that the gatekeepers say one thing yeah, and agree. the actual people you're interviewing couldn't give a crap 100%, 100%. Like, like the classic the classic is um don't talk to richard hammond about his accident right don't do it don't talk to it richard hammond comes out you know whatever event we we're at and the first thing he did was start talking about his accident you know and we got told as as a media not yeah. to ask him about that that's off limits he doesn't want to talk about it first thing richard hammond did was talked about his accident and I and i found that yeah. um I don't face like I said, the gatekeepers, nothing like what you do, but often the gatekeepers will say no, no, or they'll they'll put restrictions on it. I'll be I'll be talking to people and they'll be like like it'll be like you've got 30 minutes and I go, Cool, I'll take anybody. I mean, we normally talk for an hour, hour and a quarter, whatever. I'll take anybody at any time, especially if their profile is high enough. And I'll get to the end of thirty minutes with those people and they go, What are you talking about? Let's keep going. You know, let's like I get that a lot. Yeah. Let's let's keep talking. This is great. I'm really enjoying myself. You know, yeah. and so I I wonder how much of the, you know, don't ask this question, don't ask that question. Is that it's a little bit like you know how people get offended on behalf of other groups, whereas the group yeah. themselves may not be offended by whatever the yeah. thing that's just happened is, uh, and yeah. I wonder if you know these gatekeepers need to uh, prove their value and their paycheck, yeah. and they yeah. maybe overly protect. But the, I guess the flip side to that is like. Like I've I mean, like I can say this because it won't happen. I've approached Ricky Gervais' people because I want to get him on the podcast because he'd be amazing. But also yeah. he's got a new Netflix special coming up. Now I know that Ricky would really enjoy coming on. I don't I don't question it. I'm addicted yeah. still to his to his Carl Pilkington, Steve Merchant kind of podcasts. I listen to them most every week. He would have a blast coming on, but I'm ninety-nine percent sure that my request will never get beyond the Desk of the yeah. person at the agency that I wrote to to even approach that. Now, I'm not saying I'm not complaining, yeah. that's the system, but I do wonder yeah. about those questions and those things how much the gatekeepers are involved versus the actual talent. Might as like well. 90%.
1: 90% of the yeah. time and often uh, certain things go, on. I mean, and a publicist have a job to do and I get it. But um, yeah, there is a lot of that
0: that goes on. Well, have you ever, I mean, I'm, I'm, as you were talking about, we are just talking about the, you know, the photographs and the marriages and the breakups and that kind of stuff, um, as an entertainment reporter, an editor now, huh. have do you <laughs> often or have you ever really come across big juicy stories that you've just gone, Yeah, I just don't feel right about reporting that one?
1: Yep. I do, and often they're. Um, and, can, and can you
0: please and can you please list them all for us right now?
1: <laughs> there are some things that are going to the grave, and things that I've uh, witnessed and seen um, that I, I I consider too much uh, of a personal nature, uh, and because of the people that I'm with, I respect that, um, and it means that often, uh, more often than not, um, people are honest with me about. Uh, why I can't talk to a certain person at a certain time or I will come into a situation better equipped uh, for how I'm going to um, craft questions uh, to get what I want because I think respect and mutual respect in this industry is all I've ever really wanted. Um, I want people to trust, uh, know they can trust me. I don't think... uh, that being the first person to break one story uh, that I don't really consider to be uh, well, yes, I, I actually I would consider newsworthy. And in fact, if I if lifted a couple of them, I'd probably lose my job. But it was more important <laughs> to me to respect that source and that person than it was to, to break a story that no one would remember a, a week later anyway. Because uh, I'm I'm always I'd rather play the longer game, and it's not just because I'm a people pleaser. It's got nothing to do with that. It's just knowing I've done. We've done some on-camera interviews uh, and I, with content that's come out, I thought, if I actually chose to use that in my interview um, that not that they would never work again but it was just it was just not that good for them and i really like that person uh and i really want them to do well and in fact and it's not because i'm trying to please their publicist but it also means i get sat down and i'm trusted that i'm not going to take someone to the cleaners because that's not what i do that's not what i that's what i want to go out to do um i'm just guess i'm not that kind of journalist and um it's not that i don't want to get to the nuts and bolts of things but I just want people to be able to be comfortable with me, um, to be open and honest with me. Um, I'm not particularly confrontational in interviews because I think people will tell you something different because they, they're enjoying talking to you. You must get this all the time, not because it's a slip of the tongue or it's not because I'm going to hound them until they you know, burst into some outburst that will then be clipped up and used as blah-de-blah losers of shit in an interview with Kate Roger. That's just not the kind of... That's not the kind of conversations
0: I want to have with people. Yeah, and I and I agree with you. I mean, obviously, completely different scales, but I mean, what we try and do in this particular thing is often talk to talk to people and have them talk about things they don't normally talk about. Correct. You know, it's like that's I mean, like, and you've done it today with the family situation, and that wasn't an objective of mine coming in. I had no idea, but it's, you and you mentioned questions and stuff. I often get from people at times, especially from the gatekeepers, can you send us a list of questions? And I always say no. I'm like no. We don't do that. We don't do it. Like here's my, here's my notes for you today. There are only been that I wrote down that says entertainment reporter. Cause I just wrote it down now story that says entertainment <laughs> reporter stories ignored because as you were talking, I thought of the question and I always say, no, I say, no, I don't do that. I mean, I like, let's say I was like Taika and I'm looking at you and uh, your Twitter right now is the picture at the top. People like Taika are in my dream to get, and I don't ever imagine. I mean, maybe I'll get them. I don't know one day, but, but I, if, if it was a gatekeeper for Tyker, I'd be saying, No, we don't do questions. Obviously, the reason Tyker's coming on, we want to talk to Tyker about Tyker. So that's yeah. what the conversation is going to be. But you have to think about our conversations as in over a beer at a pub, not, you know, in a studio with an interviewer. Because no. I don't no. really, I mean, it sounds weird to people who don't understand the vibe, but I don't really do interviews. I have conversations, which I feel is very different. People on the outside might think that sounds a bit wanky. Um, but And it worked before when you said to me, what do I think about that? It's a two-way conversation, not necessarily an interview. I'm I'm,
1: I'm the same, and that's why my editors probably hate me because I'm really (laughs) terrible at asking a question, Waiting for the answer to finish. Asking another question. I'm constantly laughing like a hyena, or interjecting, or and that's why uh, and that's what I want. That's the conversation that I want because I genuinely believe who I'm talking to is more relaxed in that format. Uh, so I, that's what I like. I like. I had no idea what you wanted to talk to me about today, and I love going into that environment. I think, and honestly, in the twenty almost twenty years I've been doing this, I've maybe been asked to forward questions maybe five times. To talent ahead of time. Um, and I've refused four out of those five times. So um, I will maybe give a gist of um, the, where I'm going down the road. But I think that comes from what I talked about. I think the publicists uh, and the people that I work with trust that I'm going to you know, that I'm not going to be an arsehole, uh, yeah. that I'm not going to um, take them to the cleaners, but also that they're comfortable with where I'm going to take the story. I think it also helps that as an entertainment reporter, I'm interested so ridiculously in the film aspect of who I'm talking to that, yes, you know, sure, there might be something personal that my my, my editors and producers want, but I would want to talk to Hayden Christensen about putting that helmet on again rather than... Um, uh, you know, how's Rachel Bilson, kind of thing, uh, or what? What are you wearing on the red carpet? It's um, I've, and it might not. I could be a more uh, successful entertainment reporter if I um, went down that road, but it's just not not my jam, I guess.
0: Yeah. Whereas, as you as you've actually realised in this, we never had a start point. I'm I'm sure you're aware of that. We just started, and quite often my podcast, <laughs> quite often my podcast starts with, "What have you been up to today?" That's literally often the start of a podcast, and that's how we get going. <laughs> So, I, I like I th- look, I I, look. It. there is a, there, I mean, like we have talked before, so there is a history, a short history there, but I, I do genuinely appreciate when people come on board. But it's a trusting thing. I could be a complete dick and I could, you yeah. know, could, could, it, but so it's, it's, it's nice when people do it. Um, yeah. As I said, I was, look, I I was just a, looking for the record, for
1: the record, you're not a complete dick.
0: <laughs> just a, I'm just saying it depends off camera. See, and then behind the closed doors, <laughs> <laughs> I am um, looking looking at your uh your wow. Twitter here and your lovely photo <laughs> of Jason Momoa and and Taika there.
1: I love that photo.
0: Um, who have you not had yet that you want? Oh who's, my god! Oh my god! Who's, who's the list? Li- uh, uh, oh yes, are we breaking news? Hang on. So this, this is what we're it's talking breaking about. Breaking news. We're break, is, okay, let, let me. Just put, I'll put you back on full screen and you can break the news. There you go, you're in full screen.
1: <laughs> so there is one person that has been the top of my, uh, my bucket list for I can't tell you how long. And he is one of Hollywood's legends. And whether it's Forrest Gump or <gasps> cast away, or whatever you want to go. Whether it's eating a tiny little, you know that scene in Big when he's yeah. he's eating a miniature corn cob and he's going and eating yeah. it like that. Mm, yeah. So finally, uh, I am getting to interview Tom Hanks.
0: Oh man! In two weeks on
1: the Gold <laughs> on, on the Gold on the Gold Coast for Elvis.
0: Uh, no, I got, I don't
1: I Promise, I, I, I'm getting goosey just thinking about it, and I never actually I probably shouldn't be telling you because I, often you say these things out loud and then COVID interrupt us or some <laughs> of the bullshit will come in uh, and it will all be ripped asunder. But at this point in time, uh, I will be interviewing um, Tom Hanks along with Austin Butler and Priscilla Presley uh, and Matt wow. Herman for obviously um, for Elvis. So um, I, that will be my next overseas. Uh, experience and as I say that's one we've we've going for and it's just hopping across the chassis as well so yeah top of my bucket list and that's um, had me uh, very excited in the last couple of days
0: so that's someone you've got what about who's still on the list who are the two or three that you're like you know if I could if I could wave the magic wand these people would be lined up over the next few months
1: George Clooney, Um, I've been lined up for him maybe half a dozen times, and each time it's paved, uh, which has absolutely broken my heart. I, oh my God, you've actually put me on the spot. Who else is, I'm I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that I've been really blessed with getting so many people that I want to get, but oh my God, I tell you who I've never done, is Leo.
0: Oh yeah
1: yeah so he would definitely be up there for me um and i can't i can't think of anyone else i i, I haven't i that's i really sound like an asshole that i that i haven't done
0: what about the flip side of, of the ones that you've done who are the ones that have kind of i was gonna say left you most giddy i don't want to use a term that could be de- deemed by someone huh. as sort of sort of a, no. a, a, a patronizing term but who are the ones that have kind of left you, left you most oh my goodness, I can't believe I just spoke to them. It might be all of them, but there must be a couple at the top who are, I can't believe I just spoke to that person.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been lucky enough to do Tom Hanks a couple, three times now, and he still has that same impact, just because he's got that weird movie star thing about him, and you feel like you're kind of the only person in the room when you chat to him, but um, uh, uh, Matt Damon, I'll mention him in a side, you don't feel giddy, but that man is bloody marvelous. He's no bullshit. Um, he comes in wearing a pair of dodgy spectacles that need cleaning and a newspaper under his arm and sits down and uh, he doesn't have a posse around him and there's none of the airs and graces and he's just a genuinely fabulous person to sit down and and right. chat to. Um, yeah. But you do when I first interviewed Angelina Jolie, uh, it was way back with salt, um, if you remember, and I yep. hadn't um, interviewed her before and I had a three minute slot. And I yeah. Sat down and she was like a snake charmer is the only way I'm to describe her. She never breaks eye contact with you and you're sort of sitting there pinned to your seat and you just get completely sucked into this aura that she has about her and she even did it to me on Zoom um, last year as well even through through this film camera. she has the same effect and she does give you, you do feel like you are in the I mean the celebrity is quite, you know she's, she's Angelina but you know she just goes by the one name. Um, so she has that that kind of impact on you, uh, which is amazing. And Meryl Street was the same. I was so giddy. Um, she gave yeah, me a wow. big hug and um, she smelled warm, like she just baked scones or something. She just felt really <laughs> delicious. <laughs> and, um, I know it's a weird thing to say, but I just sort of sat there and she was just this really nourishing, really womanly but really staunchly kind of she was yeah i'm yeah I, I left the room just feeling fantastic after after talking to her and then you'll yeah you'll get um you know benicio del toro uh he's just uh, there's something so deliciously weird about that guy that i walked in feeling completely normal but the longer the interview went on <laughs> <laughs> I could feel my kind of blood pressure rising because again, he didn't. He sits with his legs crossed, like you would imagine they were there. He could be smoking during the interview; he would have been. Uh, but he just had this way of uh, looking at you and pausing before he answered the question that I found so deeply unnerving uh, that, that, made me feel a bit, that made me feel a little bit giddy as well.
0: I am um, just to jump back a sec because I think you said Tom Hanks was the one that you've done three times. I think you probably meant Tom Cruise.
1: Sorry, sorry yeah. mixing up my time. Sorry, yeah.
0: Cruz. Sorry, Cruz. Yeah. Somebody, somebody I mean, he, he's going to, I'll send him this to so make sure that he knows that you've got it wrong when he sends me my birthday cake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good idea. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. Um, look, it's been so much fun talking to you. Um, yeah, I knew this would fine. be a, a, a fun chat and a fun time. Um, the the conversation you had today with Hayden, when do you expect that to go any seconds. Yeah. Um,
1: the show airs on Friday, so it's funny because sometimes you know you want to be get it out there first, but there's also an element when it comes to to weekly drops of episodes. I I sometimes do save my streaming content uh, for when people have watched the first episode because then they're connected with the show again, and then they're more interested in the content. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Would you Would you rather see Hayden before? Did, because there's so much hype around the show anyway, uh, I'd like audiences to have a connectivity. And I'm not competing against anyone because I'm the only New Zealand press with interviews. So um, sometimes I do tend to hold them. So we need to go to air sometime later this week. But I've still got Top Gun junket content to get to air this week uh, as well. So it's um, uh, plus... Um, there's another film coming out with josh thompson a local film and sally phillips called how to please a woman and um, i had a really great chat with um sally phillips what a great woman she is uh talking to me from her house in london a couple of nights ago so i've also that film opens this week and i'd like to get that content to air
0: sally phillips is amazing she's so yeah. funny and if you have a look at her biography of what she's done in the world of comedy it's just out. You're like, it's like you know i've i've who did i convert i can't remember who it was but it was it was a New Zealand actor of some experience, and I oh no no I was talking to someone that was their dad who was the actor, and I can't remember who it was. I apologise, if it was. And I went through what their dad had done in New Zealand film, and it was like any film or television show you can think of between like 1970 and 2000 they were in. And you just look at it and you kind of go, holy crap, you've, yeah. you've been they've they've been in everything. And I I look at Sally Phillips's kind of credentials, uh, her bio for that sort of 80s you know, young ones vibe, the kind of that comedy world. And she seems to have touched on all sorts of people and things through her career and being someone both in front and behind the camera or in front and behind the script. That's amazing. She's actually someone I'd love to talk to. I was just thinking as well, one of my buckets would probably be Ewan McGregor. I don't know why. Oh, he seems yeah. to he seems to be one of those guys that would happily, you, as you described Matt Damon, sit down with a beer and just chat for an hour. You know, he just comes across. When yeah. they did the, the new series of, I think they called it a Long Way Up, the latest one where they rode electric bikes up the spine of... South America. Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes, um, yes, yes, yes. I, con- I contacted Long. This is this is my desperate and solo isolation. I contacted <laughs> the Long Way Up Facebook page, and I got quite excited because I'd seen they'd read the request but that's as far as it went so someone in the office had opened it up but it never got beyond that unfortunately (laughs)
1: that was a great great idea for those guys yeah and he's he's changed i mean i think when he stopped drinking had um he kind of uh started to live his life very differently i've actually never had him and i was gutted that i didn't get offered him for this and that's another interesting thing that happens with zoom now if i was flown over to do ob1 you would um you would be you'd get all the cast whereas with zoom now i find especially with little old new zealand because I mean, with our three people that live here, they don't really give a shit about New Zealand, but, you know, they do. Uh, and obviously all the New Zealand publicists do, but you often only get one person from a Zoom chat. You won't get all of them, uh, which is yeah. I, I find can be really disappointing. And honestly, I really felt like I was from New Zealand at the Tom Cruise red carpet. It was, you know, that whole width of a fucking flight deck of an aircraft carrier. And I walked the entire length of it from the top to the very end. And that's where my little my little was, i was the last reporter on the red carpet the last one wow. i thought he's he's never going to stay and he's never going to stop but i forgot tom cruise never leaves the red carpet never leaves the media and, uh, media person standing
0: in fact the the last spot might have been good because he might have gone i've got a few more minutes and this is the last one you can have a bit more i mean i was actually uh, thinking when you when you said that you said 150 press for a tom cruise release of a film of that magnitude that doesn't feel like a lot of people like if you think about from the world that seems to be a fairly exclusive list of reporters that's pretty cool 150 does I know when you're in the scrum it might feel like a shit done but if you think about media agencies around the world it doesn't feel like many people.
1: No, I was very grateful to get a slot, to be honest. Uh, uh, it was a very hard-fought slot to get. Uh, but I will tell you, he went from there to Mexico City, and then he went to Cannes, and then he went to London, and then he would have done another thing in LA. So he was doing right, all of yeah. the press from all of those regions at other other slots. But uh, no, in this case, I have to say, it wasn't the best thing to be last because he was <laughs> running so late for the film that the publicist came down to me and I was sharing the camera with another journalist um, from Skydance of all places. She was just doing socials for the production company. And the publisher says, you two have to agree on one question between you. Oh, God. That's all you've got. So I flew all the way from New Zealand to share a question with another reporter. So I had to get a, a reasonable amount of um yeah, we had to, anyway. That's what we had to do, and I just had to insist that I asked it. So I'd love to have been the lucky last, and he would have sat down
0: and lit a cigarette and talked to <laughs> half an hour, But that wasn't, that wasn't to be. See, I'd love Tom Cruise because I'd love to talk to him about Scientology. I mean, that's really what I'd love to talk to him about. Actually, that kind of life in that world because it fascinates me. But again, you know, never happened. But it's all right. We can dream. We can dream, Kate. Yeah. Are
1: you gonna go? Are you gonna go to Top Gun?
0: yeah well i mean will i go or will i wait i don't know i'm still here in the deep south we're still like uh the COVID things kicking off at the moment I'm not quite sure when this will go out um but uh, yeah. yesterday there was a report that the denean hospital ward is at maximum capacity for COVID. so whilst the numbers for the country look quite good um i've been mm-hmm. saying on our broadcast for the past month you've got to actually break it down regionally because if you're double or triple the numbers you should be in southern if the nationwide yeah. numbers look good that still means the concerns in southern should be so i've kind of made a decision that i'm going to live life and with rats and masks but i'm not going to go to things where at the moment might only be for this week and next week who knows i'm not going Mm. to go to places where masks are off inside so i'm not going to go to cafes and restaurants and that kind of stuff just in the interim i could go to the movie and just leave the mask on the whole time so maybe maybe i'm certainly open to it i'm going to see it obviously as a as a as a um, child of the 80s and a teenager of the 90s i'm going to go and um go and check it out but um yeah, I'm not. I haven't, I haven't made it. I've got a 65 inch screen in my house, and um, I've got wow. a couple of big easy boys. And like when the kids aren't here, often those those big easy boy chairs end up being about a meter and a half <laughs> from the screen. Yeah. <gasps> yeah and then, I, yeah, and then right. I play PlayStation on it, and it's like being in the movie. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see.
1: I know. Look, it's Anyhow, not look, anywhere.
0: No, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. I look forward to yeah, hearing you. from you as to what you think about Andy and me, because I think you will yeah. love it. Um, and, yeah, it's 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 so good to talk to you. Thank you so much for being gracious to us the other week and coming on and talking Oscars. That was lovely That's as better.
1: well. Yeah, yeah and, uh, I really enjoyed it, and I really enjoyed it today. Thanks
0: for having me. Yeah, no problems. And if people want to find out more about you, uh, Ms. Kate Roger on uh, Twitter. Is it the same one? Well, it's Kate underscore Roger on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, you've got yeah. your Facebook page as well, which is Kate Roger. And of course oh, sure. you are at, uh, oh, at you. News oh, Hub.
1: God. And uh <laughs> well, actually
0: if people just Google you on News Hub, all your links to your socials are on there as well. So oh, there they are. Are they so yeah. there's a, there's there I'm is. sure there'll be a Hayden Christian thing coming up, and then there'll be a Tom there Hayden, sure so. will.
1: Yeah, they will. It's gonna be a busy couple of months. Hey has awesome,
0: thank you. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Kate. Really appreciate some time. Any
1: time.